0: 11 seconds, you've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to shelf. five seconds left in the game. you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. <laughs> you believe in miracles? Yes! Welcome to the jungle. We got fun and games. We got everything you want. Don't worry about it, coach.
1: let me spin. Let me spin, Cope. Y'all want to win, put Booby in.
2: Sunday March 25th the boys are back. Um, Hal is gracious with his presence Cooner we gave him a little vacation time but he calls in Pat Valentine's uh, hotline a little bit. Hal, how's it going, buddy? How's your week been?
3: It's been good, man. Just another Sunday, you know. I apologize to the fans for uh, missing last week's episode. It uh, We did it, they recorded it late. I think it was at 8 p.m. start time. Yeah. Uh, 8 p.m. on a Sunday, I'm usually in full panic mode. <laughs> so I turned my phone off, <laughs> but I'm back.
2: I'm back. That That's great to hear. Uh little, little news, Ken Cat, uh, Cat and Hal, myself and Hal, we, we've agreed I'm going to go up to Maine on the weekend at 420, hang out hang out with Hal, get some lobster, and crush some weekend festivities. So maybe we'll do a podcast. That, that'd probably be a good idea, do a podcast like Saturday or something while I'm up there. Get
3: a good Saturday podcast in for Sunday listeners.
2: Fuck yeah. All right, well, we have a bunch to jump into. We're doing NHL in the news, swear questions, voicemails. We got a sick uh, interview with Barstool Chief about the Blackhawks that runs about a half hour. So if you're a Blackhawks fan, check it out. If you're a hockey fan, check it out because there's some good conversation there. Then we'll do Don Moore's Heroes and Zeros and our three stars. So this is going to be a longer podcast for all you uh, degenerates out there. This one's for you. So without further ado, NHL in the news, play the music. All right, we're going to hop right into it. This was a huge week for fights at practice. Um, I'm going to start the first one. Brendan Smith uh, signed a huge deal, four years, 17 point, I think, five million with the Rangers after playing great last year for us. Comes in out of shape immediately in av's doghouse barely plays in and out of the lineup uh they send him down they say we've had enough of your shit figure it out i'm hopeful because i like the way he plays he plays with an edge he sticks up for teammates uh he's always he's always you know getting in getting in people's faces well um shocking he gets in a fight in practice with Vinny little fucking uh latiri breaks his hand done for the year what do you have on this with brendan smith just not knowing when to call it quits
3: Got really, uh really rough, rough year uh, for Brendan Smith. I mean, starts out, had, a, I think Ranger fans kind of fell in love with him. He came in, he gave him that edge. Uh, everyone kind of was looking for him to play some big minutes this year. Fast forward like six months after getting like, what, $16 million or something like that, and he's getting in fights and practices and Hartford breaking his hand over Vinny Letera. Letary. I don't even know how to say Letary's name. When I first saw Lateri on the ice, I, I have to say this. I thought he was from, like, Finland. It sounds like a Finnish last name. He, like, wore 95. And then it just turns out he's, like, some Italian kid from Minnesota. So that's always been a little bit of a mind fuck for me there. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, it's a tough look for Smith. Uh, if I had Vegas odds on it, I would have thought that this kind of had Matt Bileski, uh written all over it, getting in a fight in NHL practice and breaking his hand. So shout-out to Bolesky for uh, staying out of this one. I mean, you wrote a blog on it, dude. What do you think?
2: Um. All right, so going into the year, I think the Rangers knew that we had a bunch of questions going on. We had no center depth. Um, we had a lot of young kids, blah, 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 blah. The one question that wasn't really being raised was, Brendan Smith's going to have a bad year. So this is very, very fucking shocking. Again, I'm a big Smitty fan. I love it. But what the fuck are you doing trying to beat up Vinny Latiri? Like, what, what? I can't even imagine, like, how that started. Because I th- I feel like Vinny Latieri would be the last person that will want a confrontation. Do you think this was just Smitty, like, kind of being a bully? Being like, yeah, I've been there before, kid. you got to earn your stripes. Or do you think, like, Vinny is like, yeah, dude, like, you're fucking washed up and you're never coming back to the show again?
3: Yeah, I actually know almost nothing about Brendan Smith. But he kind of has that vibe to him that I think he probably thinks he's better than being in the AHL and then playing for the Wolfpack. So I can definitely see him being a grumpy Gus. I don't think he's probably, like, a big veteran uh, member of that locker room. It's probably – I don't know how Wade Redden did down there, but it it just kind of seems like when Ranger defenseman gets sent to the AHL, like, it just goes downhill fast. Um, Did did you use the expression
2: grumpy Gus? Yeah. Is that a new one? Did you just make that up, or is that, like, an actual expression?
3: I think that's, like, a saying, like, that, like, grandparents use.
2: Okay. Yeah, he is a (laughs) fucking grumpy Gus, dude.
3: I mean, it's it's sad, dude. I (laughs) – I mean, one minute you're, like, in the NHL, the next you're breaking your hand over Vinny Latari's fucking CM helmet, and then next step, I mean, I don't even want to know what the next step is. So he's on the watch.
2: For sure. Uh, leading into our next fight, there was a fight at Winnipeg Jets practice. Before we get into this, for the first time ever, the Winnipeg Jets have reached the 100 points in a season. So the Jets have been having a great year. But a scrap broke out in practice. Uh, Blake Wheeler was in the middle of it. He's going after Ben... Boy, I don't know. Chariot? Cherrio? I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his last name. Shryfley was in there. Long story short, Wheeler heads of the room well underneath his left eye. Captain yeah. of your team getting beat up by somebody I've never even heard of. What do you have on this? This is it's kind of a tough look, especially when your team's playing that well.
3: Yeah, I mean, you can go one of two ways. One, you want your captain to be kind of intense in practice. So, I mean, I don't really hate it. I don't really think it creates issues in the locker room. Although, if you do reference back, it was the Winnipeg Jets that were throwing Evander Kane's clothes in the shower. So, it always kind of seems like there's been some sort of leadership issue. And I know Blake Wheeler's really stepped up his game, and he is a great player. But, like, for me, just, like, looking back on his career, I always – Blake Wheeler's always been a confusing player to me. He was drafted really high by the Coyotes. He didn't sign with them. He wanted to go play with his buddy Phil Kessel, which is a red flag. He's buddies with Phil Kessel. Um, ended up getting traded uh, to Winnipeg. Uh, actually, I think it was Thrashers at the time. Yeah, it was definitely the Thrashers at the time. Moved to Winnipeg, and I mean, he's been a great player, all star. You can't hate on his game. I just don't know if he's like a go to guy. I don't know if Blake Wheeler is a captain. I I I don't really have any reasoning behind it. He seems to do everything now. He kind of reminds me of Felino in the sense that he's like kind of molded more into a power four than just like the skillful guy he once was. But I don't know if I want him getting punched in the face of practice. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah, he kind of reminds me of like Andrew Ladd in a way, but like faster, which is kind of funny because Ladd came from Winnipeg, so maybe he's just kind of like did everything that he did. I don't know. I just, I would have liked this if he didn't get beat up. Like the fact that he left with a well under his eye isn't like the best look for a captain. Like going for a playoff push, um, especially by some guy I've never even fucking heard of. So, uh, shit happens, I suppose. It is what it is. I will
3: throw out there, I'm pumped that Winnipeg's gonna be in the playoffs. They have a sick atmosphere. There's nothing else to do in Manitoba other than to watch hockey. Really, never. But f- I do want to say, I remember Winnipeg was one of those teams that does the whiteout. The rank like. Whiting out doesn't work in the NHL. Like, the away team wears white. That's, like, my biggest pet peeve in the world. If you white out your rank, I think you should lose the series automatically. I know, don't but
2: it, it sucks, dude, because I think it's sick. Like, I kind of wish that the home team... Yeah.
3: It was sick, but now that your home jerseys are darks, like, you can't do it. Like, why don't you blew out the rink or some shit? I don't know.
2: Yeah. Uh, never forget Emerson Edom goal against the Ducks, dude. Shout out to Emerson Edom. When the Rangers got him, they thought he was going to be sick and just didn't do anything. Um, San Jose Sharks... 34 goals in their last seven games, seven-game winning streak. Vander Kane looks like he's finally uh, gelling with the team, which is huge for him. We kind of talked about that a little bit last week. Uh, What do you have on the Sharks? Are they the real deal? Do you see them going far? Uh, Do you like Martin Jones? Like, What do you have on the Sharks?
3: I don't know, man. The Sharks are a good team, but at the same time to me, they'll always be the San Jose Sharks. I know it's 2017, but like, it's been like 12 years of this now. Like, oh, the Sharks are hot towards the end of the season. 2018, dude. They look good going into the playoffs. No shit, they do. Like they, they have some skilled guys. I like Pavelski. They have a few young guys on their team too. I don't be, see them being able to beat the majority of the teams in the playoffs. I think, uh, I think if they have to play the Predators at some point, that's gonna be big trouble. I don't think they match up well against uh, the, men, the aforementioned uh Jets. I think Line a would rip up that defense. I know Vlasic's a great defender, but I mean he's getting older. Brett Burns isn't exactly a shutdown guy although he has kind of come around this year after having a pretty slow start. So I don't know if I buy the Sharks. Evander Kane has been better for them than I thought he would be. But I just think there's too much. Also, I look at the Kings, and they've started to pick up their play a little bit. I think Kings-San Jose, I think that's a rough series for the Sharks. I think I think the Kings, you don't want to play them in a seven-game series. Even if they're kind of past their prime a little bit, they're going to throw the body around, and I, I would – I would take the Kings in a series against the
2: Sharks. Um, Quick shout-out to Brendan Dillon. He had a fight with Garnett Hathaway the other night. I don't know if you've seen it, Hal, but after this, definitely look it up. And everybody who's listening, look it up. That was probably the fight of the year. These guys just fucking throwing bombs at each other. It was sick. So, and I, Brendan Dillon kind, kind of reminds me of Brendan Smith, but, like, way tougher. Um, Sharks could make some noise, but, yeah, you're right. They are the Sharks at the end of the day. Moving on, the Maple Leafs match their franchise record with 45 wins. What is there to expect from the Leafs? They just got Austin Matthews back. The young kids are fucking buzzing. Cousin Eddie just wrote a blog today about when Leo Komarov's healthy. Should he even be back in the lineup? Thought that was quite the hot take. Um, What do you have on the Toronto Maple Leafs?
3: Yeah, I mean, they're playing well. It also kind of boggles my mind that they've never won 45 games before. Haven't the Leafs been around since like 1642? Like, how have they never had this competent of a season? Um, they're good, man. They're playing well at the right time of the year. Um, As a Bruins fan, they're kind of a scary matchup. They're one of the teams that every time the Bruins and the Leafs play ends up being like a 6-5 game. But I personally feel confident against them. I don't think it's their year, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, Matthews is in his, what, second year in the league. They win a series. I would consider that a win. I, I would look for next year really being that push where they kind of become that elite team. I, I don't know, man. Just having the Bruins and the Bolts who are both in your division, I just see that that's a lot to overcome. Although I will say the Tampa Bay Lightning, people are still talking about how they're like the best team in the league. They have struggled as of late. Uh, Vasilevsky hasn't been that great. I don't trust Russian goaltenders. I'm just going to say it. It's a bias of mine. Um, so as a Bruins fan, I would think the Bruins would beat the Leafs in the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if the Leafs beat them. Also, there's a chance the Bruins catch the Bolts and pass them, and I could see the Leafs beating the Bolts in the first round, too. I, I just don't see it as a deep playoff run. I still think they're, like, one defenseman away from being that powerhouse team, but they, they're they moving in the right direction.
2: No, I agree with that. I, I really hope they play the Bruins in the playoffs because it'll be nice to get that rivalry going again. Um, and I, it's going to be a rivalry. Like, if they play this year, I can see them playing against each other in playoffs for years to come, so that'll be fun to watch. Uh, speaking of the bees. NHL seems to be kind of against the Bruins. It started a couple weeks ago when McAvoy got hit directly in the face by Hornquist. Uh, Backus got suspended from hitting Franz Nielsen, and they got kicked out of the game for hitting Vincent Trocheck. Brad Marchand, I mean, yeah, he's been a rat. He's done some shit. He keeps getting suspended. But who did they play last game? Dallas Stars were just going after Marchand the whole game. Uh, Jack Edwards had a lot to say about that. And then we saw the, uh, the Braden Shen hit on David Krejci where nothing was called, and everybody was like, oh, it shouldn't be suspended. But the NHL keeps saying they want to take out hits to the head and that's exactly what that was. So that doesn't make any sense. As a Bruins fan, you got to be frustrated, right? Like I can't imagine if this was happening to the Rangers, like what I would be doing. I think it's kind of bullshit. I'm not a Bruins fan, but like it's it it it's almost like too clear to be like a bias. Like what the fuck's going on with that?
3: Yeah, I mean as a Bruins fan, this is something. It's like as old as time. It's just a reputation thing from the Bruins' perspective. If Bruins throws a hit, it's going to be a suspension. Um, it also feels like we're always just paying our dues for Brad Marchand. Like Brad Marchand does like a few some stupid things every year, and then it's just like, well, there goes any chance that the Bruins getting any call or any suspension. Um, I don't know, man. It sucks. I, I think the Shen hit really pissed me off. Just because it was to the head. Is it because he's not injured? I I just want the NHL to suspend any hits in the head. Like, if that's what you're trying to do, then just fucking do it. And Shen has a couple suspensions under his belt, too. So I, I don't get the gray area on that one. Also, like, I've seen this, like, huge trend, and it's really just idiots on Twitter, but, like, if you if you are, like, pumped that David Cratey got smoked in the head, because Brad Marchand yeah. is a dirty player, then, like, you're an idiot. Like, yeah. you are one of the dumbest people in the world. Just because there's one rat on the team doesn't mean you wish injury on the other players on the team. Like, that is, like, the most fucked line of thinking, like, in the world. But I don't know, man. It's going to continue. I'm kind of fine with it. It kind of pumps me up in a weird sense just because it's like, you know, I feel like we're the bad boys again. So even though the Bruins don't play with that same snarl that they used to, I mean, we kind of have it. It's definitely toned back. Just kind of having that bad boy reputation kind of makes you feel tougher when you walk down the street.
2: And if anything that kind of makes the Bruins an even more dangerous team because the Bruins play their best hockey when their backs are against the wall and it's everybody against them. I, I feel like that locker room seems to rally around things like that. That's something I wish the Rangers had any sense of but it's always been that way like you hate the Bruins the Bruins are gonna make sure that like you have a reason why and I, I mean that's great for Boston honestly.
3: I, I am so nervous slash excited to see Brad Marchand in playoff mode because in years past, I mean, he's an animal. If you look back to that 2011 series, he was low bridging guys. He was punching Sadin in the face. Like, I don't think the NHL is going to let him get away with that, but at the same time, <laughs> playoffs, So it's going to be super interesting to see. I can't wait till his first kind of dirty thing happens and see, I mean, Twitter's going to go bananas in the playoffs for that. So super pumped about Marchand playoff mode.
2: No, for sure. Um, actually, while I have this here, somebody asked last week, I I don't know if the Bruins do or if he just made it up, but, like, an unsung hero of the year for the Bruins. You weren't here, so I didn't answer it. Um, who who would that award go to? I'm going to call it the Joe Haggerty Award, because I think it goes to your Aunt Anton Kodobin. I think he's been great for you guys all year, and it just kind of further, like, makes Haggerty, I guess, relevant, I suppose. But, who would you have as, like, their unsung guy? Like, who has been their the best, like, uh, underrated player, I guess?
3: Fair. I mean, I think... Doby is an excellent pick, just because I mean there have been so many question marks. He played terrible last year, and he's just been lights out. And he's just that like corny Russian kind of Brizgalov mode of a weirdo. So I love I love having Doby there. If I could vote, it would 100% go to Kevin Miller. Probably uh, he's actually been wearing the A with all these injuries. It, Kevin Miller's had a very weird kind of like career. He started out, he got a call up randomly, and he did all right. And then he started getting some big minutes under Claude, and it just did not go well uh this past year under Cassidy he's learned how to skate I mean he looks a step faster I mean he you wouldn't think it when you say Kevin Miller but I mean he breaks the puck out by just skating it out and then dumping it in on a regular basis uh, all these injuries McAvoy crew Chara have been out and the Bruins have been winning games against good teams who's been our number one defenseman it's been Kevin Miller so for me I'm gonna give it to Killer
2: is Killer becoming Chiller
3: No, dude. Shout out to Chiller, though. Chiller's put up like 40 points for the Vegas Golden Knights, so I miss the Chiller-Killer combo, but I'm happy to have Killer on the team. I give him that award, no question. He's a big-time U.S. of A guy, too. I mean, anytime there's anything with the troops involved, you know Killer's out there signing autographs, so.
2: (laughs) That's sick. Last thing with NHL in the news. You brought this up. Uh, Next expansion draft, Vegas isn't going to have to give up a player. What are they not playing in the same league as everybody else? Like, how the fuck does that make sense?
3: Yeah, boo hoo. Like, is this a fuck? I think this is a joke. Like, they're doing so well. They've got 100 points. They're going to be in the playoffs. Why do they need any help? Mm -hmm. If anything, like, buff, don't take a player from Buffalo. Like, they're scared. Like, there are so many other teams (laughs) that probably cannot lose a player. Like, Vegas has plenty of players. If they lose a third liner, so what? Like, you're in the league now. You had your year where you're the expansion team, you're the new kids on the block. Like everyone's kind of like, okay, like you guys get these players, you made some good trades, you're new, like you have a funny Twitter, blah blah blah. It's over, like the run is over. You're gonna lose in the playoffs early, and then you need to be able to give up a player. Like if you want to be, I don't know, it just it's fucked. You know, like, doing, do you, you know what you're doing?
2: You know what you're doing right so- there. You say that they're gonna get eliminated early. You know exactly what you're doing. They're gonna make a fucking cup run now. Like, yeah, like, here's
0: this,
2: Hal. Here's the thing, man. You have been, I, I, I appreciate your analysis about everything. But when it comes to something that you've been wrong about, it is the Vegas, it is the Vegas nights, and it's been like that the entire year. So, you, so you saying that they're going to get eliminated early, you, you just pretty much shirt up a Stanley Cup run for uh-huh. Vegas.
3: It's like playing. It's like playing like uh, blackjack or something like that. Eventually, the cards are going to fall into your favor. You just keep hammering and hammering, or it's like you keep putting down red on roulette or something like. It's just got to happen eventually. I'm sticking to my guns. I'm not changing the narrative. If I change it too late in the season and say, wow, Vegas really has a chance, then they're going to lose in the first round. And I think they are anyway, so I'm I'm sticking to this, and I'm also predicting, mark no. this down right now, oh. Vegas Golden Knights do not make the playoffs next year.
2: Okay. All right, Uh, quick shout-out to Fever Boy Rex, who's actually in Vegas this weekend. I uh, just want to say, what's up, Fever Boy? Fever Boy was living it up, went to a Cascade concert that got canceled because they just didn't show up, then went to Tiesto concert, went to, like, a pool party. Something that I don't think would really be in Feverboy Rex's cards, but he's been living up the Vegas life, so shout out to him. I really appreciate everything that you're doing, buddy.
3: Yeah, I hadn't heard from him in about twenty four hours and then I woke up last night and rolled over and saw my phone and there was a text from Feverboy Rex and just said, Yo, I'm dead So <laughs> <laughs> I hope he was chugging Chardonnay at the casino, but
2: kids kids thriving for sure. Uh that was NHL on the news. Now we're gonna move on to our Twitter wow, Twitter questions. Play the music, Drake.
4: Yeah, trigger fingers, turn to Twitter fingers.
2: Thanks, Drake. All right, Twitter questions, couple. First one from As He Saw. In recent history, last 20 years or so, other than Zetterberg, there hasn't been a European captain-led Stanley Cup team. Correct me if I'm wrong. Probably should have looked into that. Uh, some people blame the European style of training being focused on churning out goal scores without real leadership, drive, or experience. Thoughts on younger European trained players in leadership roles? Um. I mean, that's kind of an interesting stat. I never really looked at it that way. If you look at all the playoff team captains coming up, I mean, European-wise, what do you got? You got Gabriel Landeskog from Sweden with, uh, with Colorado. Hal, be, be sure to jump in here if you can think of any. Um, I mean, that's the only one I can really think well, of.
3: I know for a fact that the last time a, a European captain won was Lidstrom, which was like 08.
2: No shit, really? Well, I mean, yeah, if you look at everybody's oh well, is is Kopitar the captain on the Kings? He is, isn't he? Uh,
3: he is now. So I mean, that's a chance too. I think I think Lindstrom's the only captain ever from Europe to win a cup. Oh, Chara, Chara and Lindstrom. I should have probably fucking known that one. So Chara was the last one. That's that's a huge hand up on my part. Uh, um, I don't know, man. I think I think it's just kind of a coincidence. Just because I think until recently there weren't too many European captains. I think there do. I mean Carlson. Kopitar are two great choices of captains I would love to have as captains the one thing I will say um and this is I don't know this is probably gonna like sound weird in some sense I I disagree with the scent the kind of saying or the narrative that European style training being focused on goal scores like I love Scandinavian hockey players like Swedish Finland, hockey players
2: are awesome dude
3: yeah, those are the type of guys, like, they don't bang the body as much, although sometimes you do get wild cards from those countries, and they're the best. They're awesome. But, like, they play two-way hockey. They play the game the right way. They they have hockey sense and hockey IQ out the ass. Like, I, I have no problem with Scandinavian <laughs> hockey players. I think sometimes once you start getting into, like, Czech Republic's, like, 50-50, yeah. Russia, ca- Russian captains I'm pretty much out on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would have no problem with the European captain winning a cup, and I I think it will happen sooner than later.
2: I think a lot of this also kind of has to do with the fact that, like, all those teams winning cups, like, most of their captains are Canadians, right? If you look at, like, Team Canada against all the other teams, it kind of makes sense that, like, Canadian captains would be more successful when you have guys like Crosby, uh, who else, Jamie Ben, Giroux. I mean, the list goes on and on with fucking awesome Canadian players. Yeah. but, I, yeah, I think I think they're due. I love the way Swedish players play. You put Carlson on a good team, who knows? Uh, Kopitar's fucking sick. I like the way the Kings are. So, yeah, it could go either way. Um, next question. After last season's cap second-round loss again to Pittsburgh again, this DC native also started following the Sens. After watching an organization which once held such promise crumble before my eyes again, which team do you think I should curse next?
3: What now, you- how about the Vegas Golden Knights? So... <laughs> Hop on that bandwagon because uh, they're looking really good, and uh, you know everyone's loving them. I know John Taffer is a big Vegas Golden Knights fan. Uh, hop on that bandwagon uh, for me, uh, preferably for the playoffs, and uh, watch them go down. I mean that's a that's a really tough look. Although, and no offense, Ozzy saw. Um, congrats on not being a Capitals fan anymore. I hate Capitals fans for some reason. I think they're the absolute worst. So I would rather be a Sens fan than a Cap. And at least you already know your team sucks. Like the Caps are just gonna lead you on. But yeah, go with Vegas Golden Knights for how.
2: Yeah, I, I like that answer. I'm gonna go with the New Jersey Devils just because I'm so sick and tired of people saying the Devils are the new like uh MSG team to watch. Uh I am hoping so bad that the Panthers come out of nowhere and, you know, slide in. Leading up to the next question, baby buff wants to know, looking in from outside the wild card, do the Panthers and Kings make the playoffs? I'm gonna go yes and yes. Those are two great teams. The Panthers are only a couple games behind, or a couple points behind, but have a couple games in hand. And the Kings have just been playing fucking great hockey with a goalie who's won a cup. Um, I mean, what do you have on that?
3: Yeah, I I actually thought – I mean, I'm surprised that the Kings aren't in a playoff spot. I guess that's kind of hand up on my point. I thought they were already in there. Do you know how close they are?
2: Uh, I don't. You can talk about them while I look it up. Oh,
3: yeah, I just just saw it. So they're tied with 89 points with the Blues, and they have one less game played. But I can see them easily catching the Blues or Colorado for a playoff spot. Yeah, I actually – the one that I do want to talk about is Florida. I, I agree with that. I mean, Luongo's look good. Uh, I it would be sick to see Barkov in the playoffs. Like, I don't know if he's really had a run before, but I think Barkov in the playoffs would be electric. Huberto has been playing well. Bukestad, I, Frankie vitrano They have the Springfield Rifle now. I mean, I never. It's hard to hate on the Florida Panthers. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I don't. I'll never like the Florida Panthers, but it's hard to hate on them. They're just kind of like. They play in front of ten thousand people like you used to love Scott, love Scott Mellenby. I think they I think they have a good chance. I mean, because they're they're two games at hand and they're looking at the Flyers and the Devils. I mean, that's not like any like crazy two teams to come back on. Like either of those two teams could fall apart at any second, and they have like multiple times in their life. Uh so I I actually predict I think the Flyers <laughs> might fall out and I could see Florida coming up.
2: Yeah, I mean, we can only hope. I would be – I just really don't want the Devils to make the playoffs. I don't think Grabner's done anything since he's been there, which is one of the funniest things I've seen, so.
3: You think Roberto Luongo – I mean, do you think he has a one more Stanley Cup playoff run in him? I know when I was a Bruins fan, I really hated him in that Stanley Cup final, talking about Tim Thomas pumping his tires and all that, but uh, – do you think he has it in him? Because I, I do. I mean, his numbers will look good this year. I think they've rested him enough. He's had some injuries, but he's kind of bounced back. What are your thoughts on Luongo at this point? I, like I
2: used I used to hate Luongo. I hated the way he looked, how he slicked back his hair, and I always saw oh. he thought he was, like, the fucking man. But, like, over the last couple years, he's kind of been, like, a jokester, like, on his Twitter and shit like that. Uh, he had a very, like, sick speech about um, that shooting that happened, about, like, how we have to, like, come together for, like, the kids. I thought that was cool. He's a leader, man, and he's, yo, he's a good fucking goalie. He's always been a good goalie. I just I think it, in the beginning of his career, he, it was kind of more all about him and now he's kind of like realized like maybe I shouldn't be like that. Um he used to be like my Mark Andre Fleury that I just fucking hated him, but he was still good, but for some reason I didn't like him. I re, I wouldn't mind that, dude. I, I like the way the Panthers are made up. I love Keith Yandel. I like Luongo. Uh I don't That's know awesome. if Derek McKenzie is it Derek McKenzie? I don't know if he's still their captain or not, but I just I kind of like the way it's looked out. And the fact that Barkov may be under, like, some fucking finally getting some national attention would be awesome because that guy's sick.
3: Yeah, and it's kind of cool to think about, too. Like, think about the Panthers last year at this time. They were a dumpster fire. People thought that the Panthers had finally made it and they were going to be a great team. And then, like, they left the coach at the rink and all of that. And everyone's being like, what are the Panthers doing? They're making stupid trades. They gave Riley Smith and uh, Marceau away to Vegas. It's like they're fucking up. I I I don't know, man. It would be cool to see them in. Um, also, a shout-out. I did not see this one coming. I would love to listen to one of our first podcasts of the year. But we were just trashing at the beginning of the year the Atlantic Division. Now in the Eastern Conference, the top three teams are from the Atlantic Division. We might have one more coming for the wild card. So, I mean, the Eastern Conference is actually kind of balanced out for the first time in like four years. I said balanced. I didn't say it was dominated. Balanced. I mean, that's what, that's, 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 what, what I mean, that's what happens
2: when the tires come off the Rangers fucking train, dude.
3: See, because I say that, but at the same time, I have the realization. And this is why, like, people have been saying, oh, the Atlantic's so tough, Tampa, Boston, Toronto. I don't know if Tampa has 106 points, Boston has 102, and Toronto has 97. If they didn't have Montreal, Detroit, Ottawa, and Buffalo in their division. Like, those are the four worst teams, maybe in the league. And they're all in your division, so it makes sense it's a little top-heavy there.
2: Yeah, but they definitely are. I think that they're the best teams in the East. I mean, and then on top of that, you have what the Pens and the Caps. Every other team doesn't really bother me in any sort of series. So, I don't know. Good, good question though, Baby Buff. Appreciate it. Uh, moving on, Patty B Hotline without a Patty B voicemail this week. I don't oh. know. What's, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. Oh, oh, one more.
3: No, Patrick Valentine. Uh, the Patty B Hotline. We're suspending you from retweeting uh, oh. pictures of Buffalo Sabre games. Yes. Um,
2: Quit trying to guilt me into retweeting more. your tweets, Pat.
3: Um, I, I know it's sad going to Sabre games. I respect it. Uh, you're a real trooper going out there. We just can't have that sadness clogging up our timeline anymore. Um, so we're going to halt those for a little bit.
2: Yeah, unless you do something crazy. If you do something crazy, send me a video of you like slugging a beer or like, fucking chirping somebody. Then I'll give you a retweet.
3: Slug a beer and have a couple beef on Wex on Buffalo for me, Patty B. Fuck yeah.
2: Alright, Patty B, Patty B hotline. Patty B, what is it?
0: Hey, this is the Patty B hotline brought to you by the
2: Morning Skate. Thank you, Pat. Alright, so we have a couple this week from uh from a couple of our buddies. So let me pull that up really, really <laughs> Is this really
3: a Karski Bush uh voicemail.
2: Yeah, do you want yeah, we'll do that one first.
3: Hey, what's up, Ken
0: and Hal? How we doing? It's your boy, 70, coming to you live from Saratoga. Uh, I just wanted to shoot a couple questions, more comments by you. Uh, free agent frenzy for the NFL is coming up on Monday. Want to know if there's anything I should do to pregame. I know you guys are big free agent frenzies of the NHL. Um, and more importantly, Ken, I, I really... Coming to the Rangers. I think that's going to be a guy we're going to have to pay too much for. And to be honest with you, dude, like, isn't that what the Rangers always do? We say we're going to go young, and then we just sign some big name who costs too much money and ends up sucking. And and to to, to further go on my point, buddy, and we might not be friends after this because I feel like you're going to hate me, but if we're going to go all-out sell, I say we go all-out sell. All right, if we're going to have a shit team and it's probably not going to make us to the playoffs, then why don't we just sell Lundy while he's still worth something and try to get some draft picks and – be something good in five or seven years, because clearly right now is not the time. All right, dude. Hope you still love me deep down. Take it easy, boys.
2: All right. Uh, Thanks, 70, for calling in. Uh, yes, we are big free agent frenzy, guys. So normally, free agent frenzy-wise, well, what I do is uh, you go to Marino's, you buy some wings, maybe a meatball sub, you make sure that you're off that entire day, and you just, I mean, we, I put on NHL Network and just keep refreshing Twitter, but... I don't really know where the NFL free agent – is there like an NFL network probably? I'm not, yeah, not yeah, a big sure. NFL guy. Um, so, yeah, just turn that on, crush some wings, eat, eat some fucking meatball subs, dude, and and just have yourself a day, man. That, that would be my thing. What, what do you have, Hal?
3: Yeah, I would, I would say my one rule of thumb is it's great to maybe get a good brunch in, get a few little booze in you first. Okay. But I would say you need to be near an outlet. Your phone needs to be plugged in, 70. Uh, make sure your phone doesn't die. I mean, I know you. It seems like half the time your phone's dead or you're always looking for a charge. Uh, <laughs> slower moves than molasses. So if I could give you any requests, it would just be be in one spot. Uh, you can Cool thing on Twitter, you can kind of create like different lists that you can like follow and go through. Just hoss every single NFL insider and just refresh that motherfucker all day long. It's going to be so not gratifying and absolutely nothing's probably going to happen that interests you, but you'll just feel alive and you'll be in the moment. So uh yeah, good luck with that on the free agent frenzy.
2: Okay. And then it kind of blacked out during his voicemail, but he was talking about Kovalchuk coming to the Rangers. I texted him to make sure I had the name. Um I kind of agree Here's the thing, man. I don't I think with or without Kovalchuk, the Rangers aren't making the playoffs next year. Maybe they shock me. Maybe they don't. But I don't mind it just in a sense. You have like a Russian that could play with a couple of your other Russians with like Buchnevich and and Nemestikov. As long as it's not like a huge deal, I think that'd be good for all the people saying that Kovalchuk isn't like a team first player. Marty Roderick came out and said that in his time in New Jersey, he was like the most team player that there was. Like, first guy on the ice, last guy off. Uh, really gelled in the locker room, shit like that. I mean, I think that was just a case of like being on a really shitty team. Like, who wants to really be in New Jersey? Um, I I, I wouldn't hate having Kovalchuk on the Rangers. It'd be kind of exciting. It'd give me something to look forward to every game rather than you know watching Peter Holland and fucking Cody McLeod on my fourth line. So I would like that with Lumquist. Easier said than done, man. Like he already said he wants to stay in New York. If Lumquist comes out and says I don't really want to be in New York, then I think absolutely you trade him. Uh, he's, he's a generational guy. should, I, I mean, you would think he'd have his jersey retired, right? Even though he doesn't have a cup. hundred percent. Definitely. So, I, I want to be against it. If you, if you, my one thing though, is if you deal Lumpquist, I would deal him to like a team where you would have a reasonable shot. I know you're always trying to make your team better, but like, I don't want Lumpquist going to the Sabres or some bullshit. So, um, what, what do you have on that, Hal? Yeah,
3: I think two things. Kovalchuk, the one thing about Kovalchuk Chuck and I don't think he's a bad teammate either. I I really like Kovalchuk. The few years in the NHL he made the playoffs, he was fucking awesome. Electric. Didn't did he fight Dubinsky? Uh
2: or did he fuck. fight
3: on the Rangers? Sean
2: Avery. Sean Avery had him fucking going crazy back when he was on the Thrashers.
3: So I remember, I don't know why I remember that Thrashers Rangers series so well, but I thought Kovalchuk was unbelievable in that series. I I think the Rangers still won the series anyway. Um, the the one thing I will say on Kovalchuk that I don't get the one is this really a match made in heaven? Like, I don't think anyone's saying that it is, but he has to be sick of losing. Like, does he really want to go to a rebuild? I know they can pay him the most money, but, like, he left the Devils because they sucked. Like, I don't know why he would want to go back to a team that's, like, mid-rebuild. Like, I, I, if Ilya Kovalchuk comes to the NHL, I want to see him as a hockey fan on, like, a nasty team. Yeah. Like, I want to see him light it up. If you want to talk about, like, Any team in the league that I wish I could see him on, I mean, like, can you imagine him playing with, like, Line or somebody like that, a young player? I could see him on the Panthers, maybe, giving them an extra push. Like, I just think there's so many different options for Kovalchuk. And while it's obviously, like, playing in Madison Square Garden, New York City's sick. Like, there's no denying that. I just think – I don't think it's the best fit for both teams at the current state. As for the Lundqvist thing, I hear both sides of it. I was pro trade him at the deadline. They didn't do that. He wants to stay. How many years left
2: does he have on his contract? Uh, I can look
3: that up really quick. How old is he? I can look the that one. up really quick. Oh man, some Rangers fan. I, I probably want to know those he's, answers He's
2: He's thirty-six.
3: Yep. Uh, I
2: think I want to say three years. I'm not entirely sure. Give me.
3: Now, that's a boner turtle who said we don't know what we're talking about as a review on Apple.
2: Again,
3: <laughs> yeah. suck apart. No, dude, it, uh, it, it was it
2: was like butt stuff. Sixty-nine. That guy's sweet. He's he's under contract till 2021.
3: Do you think that Henrik Lundqvist can be a starter, starting goalie in the NHL till
2: 2021? Um, in a perfect world, man, we get that one rushing goalie that come over who's supposed to be really sick, and he'll be beginning his NHL career. And like, I would like to see him and Hank split time. Like, I don't think that would be that bad of a tandem. Uh, shout out to Benoit Aulier, your arch nemesis. Uh, I think if anybody can keep Hank relevant and Hank in like a good shape to win games, it's that guy. So I think he has the proper setup, just like the people in front of him really aren't that good anymore.
3: I, I, here's what I, I think ideal situation. It's 2021. Henrik Klonquist is going to retire at the end of the year. He's only played like 25, 30 games at the trade deadline. He's looked great. The Rangers trade him to a cup contender. They eat half his salary so they can do it. They get some good prospects that year, and then they go on and win the cup and it's like Ray Bork all over again. I think that'd be the coolest story in the world if you won a cup that way. I will say, um, for from seventies standpoint, like, it's tough, man. I understand what he's saying. Like if you're gonna go full rebuild, why do you want this sick goalie in the league? But in your net, but I just don't think Henrik Lundqvist is at the point in his career where he's going to be, like, carrying the team when they suck this bad. He's going to be a good goalie, but I don't think he's going to make that huge of a difference in the standings, as fucked up as that sounds. He might win you, kind of like what Barcelona Chief said in that interview that we did today with Crawford, he might win you 10 more games a year, but I don't think it's going to be that outstanding that it's like, fuck, if we didn't have Lundqvist, we'd really be tanking. I could be wrong, though.
2: No, I mean, over the last... The one thing that I hate is, like, yeah, I know I'm a Richter guy over Lundqvist guy, which... That's just who I am, but I can't stand the hate that the Rangers fans like give Henrik Lundqvist. It, it, to me, it's fucking crazy. Like, the, it's it's so like either you really like Lundqvist or you fucking hate him. And I don't get the people that hate him. This guy's done everything that he possibly could. Like, oh, he whines, he cries, yeah, because he's fucking competing and he hates being on a shit team. Would you rather have him be like, oh, okay, yeah, give up a goal, good try, good try, Mark, for getting the puck out of the zone, good try, dude. I, I wouldn't want anybody on my team like that. Um, no, and the other
3: thing too is I hate. People who hate goalies that yell at players. Like when I was a defenseman, I love goalies who yelled at me. Like I, I don't know why. I don't know if all defensemen are like that. But if you pout because your goalie's telling you you need to cover that guy, you're a fucking idiot. Your goalie sees the whole ice. He sees the whole zone in front of you. So when he gets pissed off, like he has a reason for it. He's seeing the play break down. He's seeing your mistakes. Like sure, like he could be like, oh, like, get him next time. But he's saying, fucking figure it out. And I actually like that in a goalie.
2: That, and I don't think the Rangers not taking anything away from McDonough, but I don't think that they, they've had great leadership over the last couple of years. I don't think they had somebody yelling at the defenseman telling them to get their head out of their ass. If you right. had better leadership there, maybe Hank wouldn't have to fucking go out of his way and scream at the bench when he's, like, being replaced or some shit like that, you know? But
3: Right. I wish that Henrik Lundqvist would pull, like, a big dick move, though, and just go to management and be like, I demand a trade unless you fire AP.
2: That'd be sick. I'd be down for that. Um. All right, so... Thank you, 70, for calling in. we got two more. Cooner wasn't on the podcast today, but you you better know that he called in with two questions. So here's this one.
1: What up? Morning, Skate. Cooner calling from a ripe 40-degree day here in Syracuse, New York. A couple thoughts here. Um, One, are we kind of forgetting about how good Connor McDavid still is? I mean, he's on an absolute crap team this year, still third in the league in scoring as we speak. Um... Thoughts on him? I know we don't hear much about him on the East Coast, but I don't know—is that because the team sucks this year or what? Um, secondly, um, are we not paying enough attention to the so-so year I guess for his standards that Sidney Crosby is having? Fifteenth in scoring right now. He's a minus three. He's not really impressing me, and I mean, quite frankly, I think that Ovechkin's got more uh, my attention this year than Sid. Um, give me your guys' thoughts on that. Have
2: a killer day. Peace. All right, that was Cooner's first voicemail. He called in a couple days ago. Connor McDavid is now leading the NHL in points with 96. Um, I think a lot of it does come from... I mean, the Oilers came out of nowhere, really, last year. Made made quite the playoff run. They were fun to watch. I don't think anybody really expected them to be this shit this year. And I think he's kind of being forgot about. That and the fact that he's not on the East Coast. I, I mean, he... Edmonton, I think, is probably like a good market for Canada. But when it comes to like the United States, like I don't really watch that many Oiler games, so maybe that's why he's being like forgotten. I guess Um, he's—I think he's the best offensively gifted player in the NHL. Uh, Having said that, I think Sidney Crosby is probably the best player in the NHL. He may not be having you know the career year that he has, but him Malkin and Kessel all have above eighty points. And Sidney Crosby's season doesn't really start until the playoffs. That's that's when he kind of takes over, and that's when the Penguins go for back to back to back championships. Um, what do you have on this, Hal?
3: Yeah, I would say one with McDavid. I think it is just the West Coast thing. Like, think about how many times you've actually seen McDavid play. Like, it's not enough. Like, it, it's just not enough how many times I've seen him play. And I try to stay up whenever I see the Oilers are going to be on TV. But like, I would love to see that guy not one like once a week if I could at least catch a period of a game he's playing. It'd be outstanding. Um, it's weird though. You're right because it is a Canadian market, so you think it's good for the game, but at the same time, it's like he is being kind of forgotten. And no one thought I when Peter Charlie went to the Oilers. I thought to myself, "Look, he's an idiot. He's also built a cup team, and he really fuck up a team with Connor McDavid." And the answer was yes, which is very. It's not surprising anymore, but it's just kind of sad that McDavid's like in that situation. It's just the Oilers being the Oilers. Um, as for Crosby. I don't know. I don't know if he's having as bad a season, Uh, as Kooner thinks. I I think he hasn't had his best season yet. Um, And I do agree with the sense I think Ovechkin's been more impressive. And I think the other thing, too, is Malkin has been unbelievable. Like, if you ask me who the best player on the Penguins is this year, I would probably say, again, Malkin. Um, Maybe the 80 points a year, I mean, maybe playing in back-to-back Stanley Cup Finals is getting to him. Maybe he's going to turn it on. But, I mean, I think Kooner has a solid point there. I wouldn't say... He's not one of the best players in the world anymore, but maybe we will start to see a little bit of a decline. Um, Yeah, I mean, good questions all around.
2: No, for sure. And Cooner actually has one other question. Um, Let's find it quick. Here it is.
1: All right, what up,
0: Morning Skate? Cooner here again. I
1: just wanted to get a little idea from you boys. What's your go-to shitty cheap-ass beer? You know, we're talking couple bucks for a sixer, or you know under under 10 bucks for a 12 pack let me know what's up i know you boys out stewards like their mountain brew or high peace
2: good question cheap beer what is our favorite cheap beer um i think i think everybody in high school when they went to like parties and shit. would you agree that keystone was kind of like the the beer that everybody saw because it was cheap right yeah. The one thing about our our friend our group of friends is we, we would buy it'd be like two more dollars, but we'd get rolling rocks. And we send it on rolling rocks. Didn't didn't Eamon have like a, a keg one time of Rolling Rock?
3: <laughs> yeah, Rolling Rock was a weird choice, but definitely definitely a lot of Rolling Rock was thrown around.
2: Yeah, so I, I would go I'd go with the Green Can Rolling Rock.
3: So I I'm gonna stick with the green can. I'm also gonna do a little bit of a Rochester shout out for Cooner oh, and God. Fever Boy Rex. I'm gonna go Jenny uh genesee light or jenny creams uh pick your poison uh the one thing with jenny creams i will say uh some people listening to the podcast might not know them some do they've become big in the hipster community like if you go to a hipster bar they'll sell like pounders of uh jenny cream for like three bucks like that's not what jenny cream's about And it really pisses me off like <laughs> jenny cream's about it's 11 o'clock on like a may day in rochester and like there's a bunch of dudes wearing jorts fighting each other in the front lawn just drinking 30 or Racks of fucking Jenny cream, so I would go anything Genesee. Uh, also, uh, bush light I just like the cans. I don't know why. Bushlight makes me feel like I'm in nature. So if I'm in a pinch and I go to a gas station and I just need a five dollars six pack, I'm going Bush.
2: No, Bush is for sure good. Uh, probably about this time last year, I was at uh, I was in Rochester for the Tournament of Beers, and I actually got to do a tour of the Genesee Brewery, which was quite the sight to see. um I can see why you why you would be behind that. They. They had like those. Uh, what are the flats? Are they called flats? Where they're like on a board and like you can sample them or whatever. They yeah. had like twelve different types of Jenny that you can sample. I was laughing so hard. I'm like, I cannot believe that this is a real thing. But
3: right, that's the problem though. Jenny shouldn't be offering like this like exclusive like brewery tour shit. Like Jenny is like I said, just about like blacking out as fast as possible.
2: Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Um, thanks for the voicemail, guys. Do you guys have any other voicemails? Send them in. Five one eight We'll be sure to run them by on the podcast. Uh, that was Patty B Hotline. So moving on, Dom Moore's Heroes and Zeros. Let's go.
1: Hey, fans. This is Dominic Moore. I'm just going to take you guys through a little bit of the behind-the-scenes stuff here.
2: Thank you, Dom. Heroes and Zeros time. Uh, I, I'll go first. I'll do both of my Heroes and my Zero. Does that sound good? All right. All right. So I have a Hero and an honorable mention and a Zero. So my Hero of the Week goes to the Michigan Tech Notre Dame game. Uh, I watched that with my dad. Uh, I don't know, was it yesterday, day before, or something like that? And it was fucking awesome, dude. It was back and forth. Here we go, do Doe. Um, had a, I don't know. It was kind of nice to watch like a college hockey game that was like, I guess fun. I think part of it was that Butch Gross wasn't announcing it, so I really got into it. But um, Notre Dame ended up winning, and it was right after like there was a scrum in front. Like you know, how they always say like somebody goes down, hits the post, and more than likely the puck's coming back the other way and it scores. It's exactly what happened. It's it's crazy how that happens in hockey all the time. So my Hero of the Week was that game. I had a great time watching it, and it was kind of like refre- refreshing with all this March Madness going on that I got to enjoy some college hockey.
3: Yeah, um, I think two weeks ago I had the hot take that I hate college hockey, so I'm sticking to that one. I still can't get into it, but uh, good for you, dude. I'm glad you had a nice day.
2: Fair enough. Uh, my honorable mention, we, I have like a Rangers group text, and I think Cooner was the one that brought it up. The Mike Danton story—I never really knew about this. If you guys get a chance, go on YouTube and search Mike Danton. Essentially, like this hockey player who hated his dad, so like he ditched his last name and like moved in with like his youth hockey coach or whatever. uh, Played for the Albany Devils for the Devils, and then when he's playing for the St. Louis Blues, he got arrested for putting a hit out on somebody, and the cops thought it was on his coach. He said it was out on his real-life father, and then this guy, after he goes to jail, goes to goes to college in Canada and lights it up for this college in Canada playing hockey there. Played overseas. What a fucking story that was, man. I don't remember any of that. I think I texted you about this. Incredible.
3: Yeah, I mean, it has everything. It has, like, uh, a lot of drama. It kind of seems like a Lifetime movie. There's some, like, weird allegations going on. It's kind of like a love story. There's agents involved. There's coaches. There's a guy who hates his dad. There's Hitman. I mean, it could be a great movie, absolutely. It seems like... uh, Maybe something Mark Wahlberg would stall, star in at some point. But, yeah, definitely a cool story. I mean, I, it's weird that you said that because I hadn't thought about it in a long time. But that was actually a big story on ESPN and all of that. So, I mean, Mike Dan, shout out to
2: that fucking guy. Yeah. Um, and then my zero of the week goes to NCAA hockey marketing. Having watching that Michigan Tech-Notre Dame game, that was, like, one of the most fun hockey games I've watched in a while. I know, I know hockey's not huge in the States, and that's why, like, March Madness is so much bigger. But they have to make a better effort of, like, really making this tournament sick. With, like, player profiles or, like, mic'd up shit, like, they just kind of put them out there, and they put John Budgegross to, like, slam, like, gong show hockey terms in your face. It should be better. It's not. So my Zero of the Week is just the fact that, like, they don't really do anything with it. It's fucking awesome. I think Minnesota high school hockey does a better job with, like, they're all flow team than, like, college does, and that blows my mind. So Zero of the Week goes to the marketing of that tournament.
3: Yeah, I think part of it is just, like, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Just because it's going on during March Madness for basketball. It's like it's so tough to get that airtime during that time when everyone, it's like a religious holiday in the States to watch basketball. So I, I think it's just kind of a tough spot. I don't know if you move it back. I don't know if that helps or makes it worse, but I, I'd agree with that. They don't really do anything to go out there, kind of put their name out there. Um, my, I'm going to go in, Hero of the Week. Uh, podcast favorite, Keith Kincaid. Uh, he's had a huge week. Uh, Schneider's been injured, and I think Keith Kincaid's actually the number one on a playoff team right now. So 937 save percentage in his last 14, 11-3-0. Uh, he's been kind of standing on his head. I actually caught a game the other night, played like two periods. He was keeping him in it against the Pens, and they ended up getting the W. So, I mean, I I don't care. If he's playing this well, I don't give a fuck how many emojis he's tweeting out. Uh, I know you probably have a different opinion on this.
2: Um, Hate the fucking guy, but he did do something really cool on Twitter the other day. Some like, cute girl messaged him asking him out for a date, like how many retweets so I can go on a date with you, and he goes, screw that. How about this Wednesday at Chipotle? I'm a huge Chipotle guy. So I, I still fucking hate the guy, but I thought that was a cool move. So I'm okay with you naming him Hero of the Week.
3: Keith Kincaid, so hot right now. <laughs> so uh, I'll go. I have another hero, an honorable mention. Henrik Sedin, holy shit. I forgot about the Sedin brothers. This is something that kind of came up on my Twitter this morning. Uh, a few nights ago, he ended his 56-game goalless drought. Woof. Three goals, 42 assists on the season. Talk about that ratio. I mean, are those second-hand helpers? I, it's kind of crazy. I mean, he's an old guy now, so I totally get it. But, like, if you told me that Henrik Seguin at the end of his career would be scoring three goals a season, I mean, yeah, that's tough.
2: You know you know what numbers? He, he's putting up Kermit Salphi numbers, dude.
3: <laughs> Secondary is... Oh my Secondary assist.
2: Uh, fucking Kermit Salvi has like ninety points in the lead in the league that I play in right now, and I think he has three goals and like ninety four assists.
3: He's just all about moving the puck. I yeah. mean, I don't know, man. Just fucking put the puck on that every once in a while. You're a great passer. I get that, but let it rip, fuck.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with that.
3: Uh, my zero of the week is Bruins fans in the Ryan Donato train. Uh, as a Bruins fan, like. I really like the kid. I think he's going to be a great player. I know we talked about this Friday night. I think, I think, I think he's going to be a solid second liner as a ceiling. Um, it just seems like Bruins Twitter is going a little too gung ho on this one, hyping him up a little too much. I think he's a great addition. He'll be a good player. Let's pump the brakes. Also, the whole Harvard thing. Like, I don't want to hear about it anymore. I get it. he's taking classes. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's also fucking lame. Like, I just, I don't care. That he's <laughs> Uh, but I really want to stop hearing about that story. Um, uh, what do you have on that?
2: I was going to ask you about that. Half of me thinks it's like kind of a baller move that he's like, yeah, I still, you know, I'm still going to class. I'm missing practice. Like, I think that's kind of cool. But then the other half of me is like, dude, you signed a professional contract. I think your head should probably be in the game for a playoff push. Would you agree with that?
3: Yeah, I mean that. That's kind of like part of me is like, fuck you, just give it up and like focus everything on the Bruins. The other part of me is like. If I dropped out of college after like my junior year and I was going to Harvard, but I still wanted to get a degree at some point, I'd be thinking to myself, holy fuck, if I have to take these classes over again after I haven't read a book in 10 years, I might put a bullet in my head. Yeah. So from that perspective, I kind of get it, because like, taking any college class a second time is literally the worst thing in the world. You just want to punch yourself in the face every time you take it. So I get that, but yeah, man, it's like, hang up the books. Like We're trying to win a cup here, pal.
2: No, yeah, I, I get that. I. I don't know. That was like a huge story. And I knew. I as soon as I saw, it, I knew people were gonna like fucking blow up about it. I mean, I guess good for you, Donato. Fucking Jimmy VC Jr. Um. All right. So now we're actually gonna get into our interview with uh, Barstool Chief, who hopped on, uh, talking a little bit about the Blackhawk. So, quick shout out to him. Here's the interview. <laughs> All right, now we have on a uh, Barstool Chief, uh, the Blackhawks blogger for uh, Barstool Sports. How's it going, buddy?
4: It's going great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, Episode fifty. Happy to be here.
2: Yeah, ba- yeah, you made the big time, man. Uh, <laughs> we just wanted to have you on because, like, there's a lot of shit popping off in Blackhawk land right now, and uh, not not for the best reasons. But it's gonna be interesting to see your take because I mean, you're a huge fan. So just kind of jump into it. It's The first time that uh, the Blackhawks have missed the playoffs since two thousand and eight. I mean, that's quite the ride. Um, I'm a Rangers fan. How's a Bruins fan? I mean, we've made the playoffs quite a bit, but, like, nothing like that. So, is it is it almost like, a, it's almost like kind of humbling in a way where it's like you kind of it's really like, realize how great your team has been, like, this many years in a row? I mean, it's got to suck, but at the same time, it, it, you're kind of taking it all in. And you're like, wow, that really was special.
4: Yeah, it's a little bit of both because... Obviously, you know you find yourself watching these highlights, and you see the commercials, and you know there's been three cups. It's been it's been an amazing, you know, nine ten years here. But at the same time, you look at the team, and you know Taves is Taves is thirty, Kane is twenty nine. It's not like these guys are forty years old and the run is over. You know, it seems like it's it's ended too early, and uh, they've had some. You know roster decisions that haven't really gone their way. They've had some injury problems that you know this year as well. So it, it's like, yes, it, it's it's fine, and, and um, to appreciate how good we've had it because it's been amazing. And I say that all the time. But the other side of that coin is mm, they really underachieve. So like two <laughs> things can be true at the same time. Yes, it's been amazing, but yeah, at the same time, you you feel like this team. This team definitely kind uh, has underachieved here the last, really the last, I mean, you could say three years now. Uh, probably not up to their up to their own standards.
3: Fair. So, I mean, like, coming from my perspective, like, do you think the <laughs> hatred for Blackhawk fans uh, throughout the league is, like, you think it's warranted? Uh, it seems like a lot of people are kind of dancing on the Blackhawks' graves right now. My perspective, it's more of, like, an annoyance, like... I don't hate the Blackhawks. I respect their dynasty. They are the greatest team of like this era. But
4: I'm just kind of sick of seeing them. Um, do you do you get that? Like, oh um,
0: yeah,
4: I, to... <laughs> I, I get I get it. Obviously, as you can imagine. Um, uh, the... Nashville Twitter has really become like a thing, I guess. And they never existed. I'm sure I'm not saying that they're bad fans or anything like that. I've been to games down there. I went to games on there probably 10 years ago, too. It's a good barn, nothing against Nashville. Their, their fans on Twitter are terrible, um, and Minnesota Wild fans can be bad as well. But then obviously being in the barstool world, um, with the Bruins being so good again, um, you, you get a lot of uh, grave dancing from from the Boston stoolies as well, and it, it, I honestly sometimes you get grave dancing. But I also just follow a lot of a lot of Boston people. Like I follow Feidelberg, clear, obviously, and he's a big Bruins fan, and he couldn't be happier about the Bruins. And it just it makes me miserable <laughs>
0: because
4: I want I want my team to be good. I want to be in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, and, or at least feel like you have a shot at it and, and someone said to me um the blackhawks fan said hey you know it might be nice to be able to watch the playoffs and not be living and dying on on every shot and every ot and staying up you know you can choose to go to bed early if you want to but we let to swear on this yeah show. bro yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, that.
2: <laughs> fuck
3: that
4: i love i love like the nerves and the, the that big uh big game feeling and um, staying up late, like where you have like a, a harmless shot from outside the blue line, and it still makes you like wince because yeah. you just never know in OT. Like I love that, and you just can't get them unless your team is in. Now I'm gonna watch. Like uh, obviously, I'm, I've been a Blackhawks fan my entire life, so I'm 31 years old now. So still, the majority of my life, I'm pretty used to them being shit and missing the playoffs. Um, but uh, it's way better when they're in. So I'm going to enjoy the playoffs, but it, it's going to suck to see all these other teams, like, having fun, uh, you know. No, even, I, even It's better to get be in and lose and still get those emotions, <laughs> positive or negative, than just be on the outside looking in being like, fuck, I wish that was us. No, I
2: completely – so, um, like I said, I'm a Rangers fan, and, like, we made the playoffs, I mean, I don't know how many years in a row. It's been, it's been a while since we haven't been in the playoffs, but I completely agree. And now I find myself, like, I still watch every game, but it's not, like, the same atmosphere where you're, like – somebody gets pucked, they're about to shoot, now I'm just like, that's probably going to fucking go in. Like, you yeah. you aren't really, like, into it. I spend my time counting, like, how many turnovers Mark Stahl has, and it's, like, it's not, like, really, like, the best thing in the world. So, I, I get where you're coming from there. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you guys are out of the playoffs, but you talked about injuries a little bit earlier. Uh, Crawford's been out for a while with a concussion. My question for you is, if Crawford never got that concussion, do you even think that we're having this conversation? Like, do you, do you still see the Blackhawks missing the playoffs, or is it – you know we haven't really played that well anyway, so who really knows
4: kind of thing. I, I it's it's both. I, I think one he covers up a lot of mistakes, so you're you're gonna there's gonna be some games on the schedule that Crawford just steals from you because he's probably you know top five or six goalie in the league, at, at, and where our goalies this year have been they've been terrible by backup goalie standards. So yeah. they've tried Berube, who I'm sure you're familiar with from New York Market, yeah. uh, Anton Forsberg, and and uh jeff glass which was which was a nice story but they all were just they've been bumps they're (laughs) just they've been so terrible and so yeah like having crawford you definitely like without a doubt get some more wins i also think that guys play a little bit of hot potato in the puck uh with the puck in their own end and they just chip it out and uh it's because they're afraid to um they're afraid to make a mistake in their own zone because they know it's Pretty likely, it's going to end up in the back of the net. So I think if you had that security blanket of Crawford, uh, your D would probably play a little bit better too, just because they'd feel more comfortable and share themselves um, instead of just squeezing the stick. Because oh my God, if I make a mistake, we're going to lose. And that's kind of where that's kind of the way it is right now with with the Blackhawks. But uh, to answer your question. I don't know that it's a guarantee that they'd make the playoffs, but I think they'd be right kinda of right there in the mix. Like how many how many wins is Corey Crawford worth? I mean ten, yeah. ten more wins, and then that gets you that puts you right on the on the wild card spot. So they are definitely not good enough to be up there with Nashville and Winnipeg. But could they be in the mix with Colorado and Dallas and those guys? Yeah, probably.
3: You mentioned the backup goalie issues. I just wanted to touch on this. Uh Scott Darling Anybody who gets drafted out of the uh, the EJ, CD Select, shout out. I mean, he's a legend to me. I always liked the guy. What, what do you think of his season right now? Did you predict this? Did you not think he was going to be like a starter? Did you think he wasn't worth that money? Uh, what are your thoughts on Scott Darnold?
4: Because, I mean, he was a great backup.
3: Uh, well, he he backup. is
4: like an actual like, real-life friend of mine. So his, <laughs> his, like, his, uh, like his best friend. Is like one of my best friends. He was my goalie uh, in, in prep school, so we have like I've known Scott for like, a long time, like prior to the prior to his time with the Blackhawks, and um, and prior to my time with Barstool it was just kind of a weird weird thing. And um, so I really thought he was going to be a good goalie. Like that, I mean, I might be biased, but he—if you look at his safe percentage last year, he's up, you know, over nine thirty most of the year. Uh, which is obviously outstanding, and Crawford had injury problems last year um, as well. And Crawford and uh, and Scott just kind of carried the day, and it was no one even thought about it. And uh, he looked like an all-world elite goaltender. He he served a vital role on that team that won the cup. He mm-hmm. kind of Crawford lost his mind there for a minute in uh, <laughs> the first round, and and Scott got came in in relief and got a win and got a win in the in another game. So. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I actually finally looked up his numbers, uh, like just maybe earlier this week and I knew he was having a bad year, but Jesus Christ, like those, those numbers are horrendous. I can't imagine he would put up back to back years of that. I think we'll see the real Scott Darling next year. I think new market, a little extra pressure and, you know, the, you know, the big money, um, team kind of in flux, um. With ownership and you know you just a lot of transition going on there, and I think you know as as he settles into the into that role as the real number one, and then also kind of just again none of this has come from Scott. This is just my opinion, but you have like the face of the franchise, former Consmyth winner Cam Ward, looking over your shoulder when you're the quote unquote the guy. Probably not the best. Uh, way to break into a new team. So when you're trying to make it your team and be the real number one, so uh, not that Cam Ward's been great, but I, I think next year Scott will bounce back and we'll see kind of the guy that we saw here in Chicago.
3: I can root for that. Uh, Scott Darling bounce back season is something I can definitely pencil myself in for. Big time. <laughs> looking forward to it.
2: Um, another deal that you guys kind of made over the off season. Uh, he sent Panarin over to the Blue Jackets for uh, Brandon Saad. I think when it happened, everybody kind of thought it was an even deal. Like, Sod's finally coming back to the Blackhawks. Maybe, you know, the chemistry's still going to be there. I think the first couple games, he was awesome for you guys. But looking at the points, sod has got 33 points, 17 goals, 16 assists. Panarin's got 25 goals, 44 assists for 69 points. Nice. Um, when I thought Panarin was going to the Blue Jackets, I kind of thought he was just a product of being around Patrick Kane. Like, I thought anybody could put up that many points if you're playing with, like, a guy that talented. But Panarin's kind of proven us wrong a little bit this year. He's still putting the puck in the net. And he's playing for Torts, which probably isn't like the most fun thing for like a young creative Russian to do. Um, what do you have on this deal? Like, are you are you kind of pissed that this ha- this went down? Like, do you wish there were like take backs immediately? Like, what do you have on that deal?
4: Yeah, I mean, hand up, I was one of the guys that thought it was a good trade because you know on a couple different levels, you had yeah Brandon Side coming back. You put him with Taves. They had had a lot of success. Uh, Taves needed a little bit of a jolt, so everyone kind of felt good about it on that level. Uh, Panarin, you know, he's only signed for two more years and then you can make the argument that, you know, he's probably going to get $9-10 uh, with the cap going up and the Hawks being in a tough spot where Saad is, you know, a, a smidge younger and signed, uh, I think, for four more years after this one. Um, so you, it's kind of cap certainty, so it made sense there. Having said all of that, Oh boy.
0: With,
4: with <laughs> this? <laughs> trade does not look great now. Um so we'll see. I mean, the people who like analytics and and uh like shot-based metrics, I'm not I'm not a big uh fan of shot volume metrics uh for a lot of reasons that will bore everybody. But um but some of his underlying numbers don't look that bad, but you know, he he's got to attack the net more. I mean, he everyone kind of, you know, said, "Oh, he's Hosa. Um junior and there are a lot of similarities to their game but the biggest difference is that marynosa can flat out shoot the puck yeah like he he has got a cannon of a shot and sad just doesn't have that so if he's going to score goals and be effective he's got to play down closer around the net um and not be a perimeter player He's got to take the you know put his shoulder down get to the front of the net um uh, you know driving in transition and things like that and uh and I know he's had, like, a career-low shooting percentage this year, too. I think he's down around, like, 7.5, which I think you'd know you like a player like him to probably be around 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you're looking at a guy who finishes with maybe 25 goals, so you can put some, up, some of it on puck luck. But even our, our own announcer, uh, Pat Foley, um, in the middle of the broadcast, and the Blackhawks never, you know, their station is owned by the team. Mm-hmm. So their home broadcast, they never say anything negative. He's described... Uh, Brandon Saad is a power forward without any power, and you know is so. like, whoa, Pat Foley going hard. Um, That's a rough look. So he he's not like a, he's not like a physical guy, but he does a lot of things well. He really does. I hope he I hope he'll bounce back a little bit um, next year, and, and maybe that trade will start to look a little bit more even. Um, but right now, and especially you know they they did the Anton Forsberg was part of that deal too. And he's been. You know, feel like it got sold a bill of goods on him too. He was AHL goalie of the year and mm-hmm. all that. Um, he's been horrendous. So, uh, yeah, I think they probably they, right now the trade looks bad, but I I'm hoping, hoping it evens up here over the length of of Sod's deal. So we need we need a better we need the old Brand Sod back, not this not the guy we saw this year.
3: All right, I, I just gonna continue on this train of needing the old Chicago Blackhawks back. I want to touch on Seabrook. Uh, he's been getting a lot of hate this year. I don't know if it – is it warranted? I mean, as a Bruins fan, looking back at that 2013 Cup final, like, I actually – I I, felt, I fell in love with Seabrook, just his style of play. Uh, I have for a while. I think he's always been, like, such a key component to the Blackhawks. He plays both of ends of the ice, gets nasty, has a great shot. I mean, is it – can you hate on Seabrook? Like, I, they signed him to that huge contract. Like, what are your thoughts on just the way he's kind of been treated on and off in this season?
4: Yeah, I think the criticism of – hate hate is a strong word. So okay. I, I love Brent Seabrook. He's been bad, okay? So um, I, I really, you know – like, people on Twitter are, like, unnecessarily nasty.
2: Yeah.
4: And so I, I don't want to be a part of that crew, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he just doesn't move like he used to move. So you have a combination of him slowing down and the game getting a little bit faster, and that's a bad combination for him. So he really is probably um, you know a third pair defenseman at this point in his career, just the way he moves, the way he moves, and uh, and needs sheltered minutes. But because the Blackhawks don't have any other good defensemen. Um, you can't really give him sheltered minutes, so then he he gets exposed. But there were times earlier in the year, uh, where they had you know Ruda and Forsling were playing well in a shutdown pair, and uh, then they had uh, and and they kind of allowed Seabrook to play third pair of minutes and matchups, and he and he looked okay. Like those were his better stretches of the year when he was kind of protected. Um, but if if you're relying on him like you used to back in the day when he was. When he was Mr. Reliable, he was like the big daddy of the team. And you can count on him to do anything. He's got, he's got like, if you look up like a YouTube, you forget all the huge goals he had yeah. in, in like overtime playoff goals. I think everyone remembers that game seven against Detroit. But I want to say he's had like five OT winners, which is crazy for, for a defenseman. Um, so I, you know, I love Brent Seabrook. I hope they retire his number and all of that. If they could find a way to get out from underneath that contract, that would be very much in favor of that
2: as well yeah i think you've kind of seen that over the last couple years where like teams are giving like those big physical defensemen like a dion fanoff dan gerardi brent seabrook these giant contracts and then towards the later years like there's just so much hate because like they're getting paid i mean what the fuck do you really expect them to do that like they want as much money as possible they're not going to say oh hey by the way can we restructure my contract so i only get paid like a million dollars a year that's not going to happen that's just unrealistic. So,
4: yeah, and they don't even allow restructured contracts in the NHL. Yeah, it's not like not like the NFL where Tom Brady can come in and be like, "Well, you know, we need to sign somebody. You know, we need to sign an extra corner. Well, pay me more up front, and we'll I'll take a million dollars less or whatever." Yeah, they just don't. That's not written into the CBA. So, um, I mean, it, it is kind of sick in a way that Brent Seabrook is going to be the highest paid player from this era when you add up all of his contracts, he's going to make over $100 million. So it's more, it's going to be like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. So props to his agent. Uh, and like, he always just had good timing, I guess. Uh, I, You know, I think that's not on Seabrook. That's on Stan Bowman. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to bring the Patriots back up again, but if Belichick is running the Hawks, there's no way Seabrook's getting that deal. Yeah. He's just not like, it's like you have to be, willing to move away and and kind of see into the future. And, and, you know, Seabrook's never been a guy who's – no, well, let's just say he's a fitness freak. Okay, he's not like Duncan Keith or Kane or taves in that regard, where he doesn't really, you know, take the best care of his body. You
2: don't want you know, him to be prepared. though, dude, because that's just not him. Like, you don't want him to be somebody he's not. Like, you need him to oh, be. Oh yeah, I do. Oh, no, you do-, I,
4: do. <laughs> I, I would, I would love it if he were a fitness freak and playing like get the most out of that, that contract. I would, I would fucking love that because he'd probably be a half a step quicker. And that would make all the difference in the world. So maybe he'll get into that the start, Knock on wood. That would be wonderful.
2: <laughs> Mix in a celery stick or two. Um, yeah. La- so last question, uh, Hal just kind of brought it up. If you were Stan Bowman, what are your priorities this off season? Do you keep? Uh, do you keep Coach Q? What players do you let go? What players do you try to bring in? What What are you trying to do in the front office to make this team a Stanley Cup contender again, if you can, if that's even realistic? Or like, w- what direction are you going?
4: I I don't know that you can that you can get them back to where they're a Stanley Cup team, uh, next year. Uh, maybe with they've got some interesting young D prospects on their way. They they need to they need to like re uh, overhaul the defense. But they locked themselves. They had two guys that they had no business signing. Uh, that they've signed in the last month, Ruda and uh, Gustafson. Both of them stink. Okay, Ruda Ruda is like fine, I guess. Gustafson is he is garbage he yeah. is garbage and they they signed them and overpaid them so they're both so it's basically unless there's some big trade coming uh they're locked into this same exact defensive group that was well below average this year it was probably one of the worst units um in the league so i think you you know you probably hope for a bounce back and and you know, I, I actually really like their young forwards. I like to bring it a lot. I like Schmaltz a lot. I love Henestroza. You think you maybe get a little bit of a bounce back from uh, from Saad, and they signed Dylan Sakura uh, this morning officially. So he's you know one of the best players in college hockey. Uh, they drafted him four years ago. So he's 22 years old. He's going to play on Thursday night. He's going to be in the mix in the top nine. So they, the forward group, I think, is pretty close. I wouldn't mess with that too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to get rid of Anisimov, maybe. But it's the D. It's the D that they have to fix in addition to getting Crawford back. And I don't know how they can. I just don't know. I, I don't see any like easy fixes out there uh, to get the D back where it needs to be. Um, as far as firing Q, I wouldn't. But I also wouldn't be like surprised, and I think you can make an argument for firing him, um, which is just crazy to say out loud. But because I and I, he's like one of my favorite like pieces of this dynasty. I just love I love the guy. He yeah. like, doesn't say anything. He's grumpy. He's got that mustache. The <laughs> players' coach. He's gotten the most out of these guys. Um, but you know I, I do think there's something to the, the theory that coaches have a shelf life. So if you wanted to make that argument. That you know, that they just need a different voice. Then uh, maybe, maybe it is time. But I, I personally would, I would like to give him another crack at it uh, with this, you know, developing these kids and then getting Crawford back and seeing him, seeing him where you are next year. Okay.
3: Yeah, and I think too. Now that you mentioned that, looking back at that Panarin trade, it probably would have been nice. I mean, I know it's hindsight, but like thinking to all the trades, you think of, like Johansson to Jones, like maybe taking Panarin and flipping him for a young defenseman kind of help you out there. Might have been a better move than trying to just go lateral with the different yeah, forwards,
4: a different form. Yeah, I mean, certainly, yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of what it could have, should have, with this. With, it. you know, they tried to, you know, people talk about the Murphy for Jalmerston trade too, and probably not as much as the sod Panarin thing, but. Um, I, you know, I thought that was an okay trade at the time, too. And I, Jalmerson is, again, like, I've been saying I love these guys, but I do. Like, you win three Stanley Cups, and I'm like, you're, like, I'll just love you forever. So, I was sad to see Jalmerson go. Um, He was was a super underrated
2: defenseman, that guy.
4: Yeah, and and just maybe, you know, I think it was one of those things, and he was in a similar contract situation as Panarin, so they wanted to get younger, a little bit more athletic, and, you know, Connor Murphy fits that bill, and, um, but... And cap certainty as well. Murphy's signed for, for another five years. Where uh, Mersons up after after next year. So it was like let's get a little bit more cap, you know, cap predictability. And um, but he just hasn't worked out either. And and he moves well. He's he plays a little bit mean, you know, which they need and which I like. But he is so bad with the puck on his stick that he, he kills any any type of transition offense you might get. Everything's just off the glass. He can't make that first pass. A lot of times, it's like you see his like brain freeze, and it's just like, oh, this is going to be icing, and then two seconds later, that's exactly what happens, yeah. icing or a turnover. So, um, again, I mean, but, you know, young guy, had a lot of bad habits to break coming from the worst organization with the Coyote, so you would think maybe he could, in year two, take a step and, and you know, maybe move into, like, a, your number four D-pair, you know, not fourth fourth D-pair, but your fourth best defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to like being in that cloud of, with Seabrook and all these other guys who are really third pair guys, you need somebody to step up and develop. And maybe Murphy can be that, but I don't know. It's been uh, the D is a problem, and it's gonna. It looks like it's gonna continue to be a problem. There.
3: Well, I know. Uh, I know. Ken said last question. I just want one more for you, Ryan. Oh, no, no, hey boys. It's Sunday. We can, <laughs> No problem, <laughs> Ryan Hartman. Uh, I mean, good. I think you guys got good value for that. I think you got what a first and a fourth. Uh, Is
4: that right? Uh, I thought it was just a first, but and like, there might have been some like conditional draft. Like We might have swapped out a fifth for a fourth or a fourth, you know, whatever. But yeah, it was that first round pick that was the, the prize for sure. I mean,
3: I'll, first off, great looking, dude. No one can deny <laughs> that. I mean, unbelievable. Really good looking, dude. Very handsome. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm just kind of looking forward to the playoffs. Seems like his game is made for the playoffs. I, I think he's like, everyone knows of him. You see him with some big hits go around the internet every now and then. Do you think he breaks out? Do you think he I mean, I think his game is built for a good playoff run. I think he fits well with that uh, Predators team. What do yeah. you think Hartman's con- con-
4: contribution is going to be? I think so too. He plays a little bit nasty. He's, but he does have some skill. He, he's a guy that goes to the net. Um, you know, he people were kind of disappointed with him last year. So he, he, in his rookie year last year, he had 19 goals um, in like 70 something games. So really, a 20 goal score as a rookie, like you're like, oh my god, that's phenomenal. And then right at the end of the year, he like broke his hand. So he was playing in that Nashville series with a broken hand that no one really knew about it. And it was like, so he was just not the same guy down the stretch and in the playoffs because really, because Corey Perry gave him a whack, broke his hand. So fuck Corey Perry. <laughs> classic Corey <And> Perry. <laughs> classic Corey Perry. And, uh, but yeah, if he's healthy and Nashville has him, you know, playing to his strengths, then he's a guy that can really help you because he'll, he'll, he can play center at times. He's really better as a wing, but he can do both. And then he'll kill penalties. He can, he could give you power play time as well. I mean, he's he's a really well rounded player. Um, his, he probably had a disappointing year, like everyone else here in Chicago. So, um, I I would have liked to. Know, we'll see what happens with this first round pick, but I I would have preferred to keep him.
2: I uh I, I I love that guy. He kind of reminded me like you guys got rid of Shaw and he kind of like replaced Shaw. He he's an annoying little fuck who just goes around. He gets into the dirty areas, but the guy can score for the Preds. I think that's perfect for their playoff push. Uh,
4: yeah, no, he'll be he'll be a good player there. And uh, yeah, he's a little bit different than Shaw. He's got more skill than Shaw, and Shaw plays with probably a little bit I would say more consistent energy um, than Hartman. But yeah, there's some there's some certainly similarities there with size and. You know, just being a pest and a pain in the ass. They both, you know, it seems like people just hate them. Like, they hate both of those. Like, the opposing teams are always, like, skating after them after whistles. And, you know, so I, I totally get what you're saying with that, for sure.
2: Yeah, man. Well, hey, listen, Chief, we really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, For all of our Blackhawk listeners, I'm sure they're going to be pretty pumped to hear this. My girlfriend's, like, a huge Blackhawk fan, so she's like, ask him this, ask him this. So, <laughs> made sure I did. Yeah. Uh, Also, keep up the whole trade insider thing. You just broke a trade at the deadline, didn't you?
4: Uh, was it Tommy I, yeah, Wingles? I got, I got a Carolina trade that I broke. Josh Joris. Yeah, that's what um, it was. Josh Joris. Yeah, so I had that one. Uh, the Winter Classic was like the big thing I got this year.
2: But I mean, dude, if you're not gonna be a professional hockey player, being an NHL trade insider would probably be like the number two thing to be, right? God,
4: I would love to be an insider. <laughs> I, you know, I get like little nuggets here and there, but I don't. I'd love to like actually know like what's like. I'd love to be the guy like Bob McKenzie probably hears like a thousand. <sighs> Like different trade ideas from GMs that never actually happen. I'd love to be like to know that stuff. Like what trades like almost happen but then fall apart,
2: right? Dude, I wish I was like Bob McKenzie's little bitch just like underneath him, like hearing fucking everything that's going on, sipping margaritas at his college in the or at his cottage in the off season. Like that That guy's guy's that
4: guy lives the life,
2: right? The Bob father. But thanks again for hopping on. If you guys don't follow him already at Barstool Chief, uh. Tosses up great hockey blogs over there, so definitely check them out. Thanks again for coming on, man.
4: Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Anytime. Have a good day. You too. <laughs> hey, guys. What's up? I'm Kevin Weeks. But you got to back up. I got to Too close. Too close. Hold on. I'm going to put my mask on because I didn't sign a waiver. So
2: Thanks again to Chief for coming on. That was awesome. Um, it's kind of interesting because we don't really get to talk too much Blackhawk. So we appreciate him coming on. And our last segment is going to be our three-star segments. So play that music.
0: All right, Jim and Mike. Thanks very kindly. A nice weekend for you, as always. Our three-star selectors are stars of the hockey scene wherever we go on Rogers' hometown hockey.
2: Okay, three stars. Uh, kind of thought about this. I don't. This is kind of off the cuff because I didn't really even like write anything down. But three hockey accomplishments. If you were like a sick hockey player, excluding a Stanley Cup or a gold medal, what three hockey accomplishments would you like want to achieve? So, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first?
3: Uh, we can go back and
2: forth. Why don't you go with your first one? Um, I would love to be an assistant captain. I think that would be fucking sick. I don't know if I would want the full C just because of the amount of responsibility that it carries, but the fact that uh, I'm, a, I'm a beer league GM and it's it's a fucking pain in the ass to get people to pay, pay money and pay for jerseys and shit like that. And on my winner team this year, I finally got the A, and it was so much better, dude. I just got to focus on my game, dude. I didn't have to worry about people like paying money. So my third stars, I, I would want an A on my jersey.
3: Fair. I think my uh, my third star would be leading uh, the organization, whether it's college, pro, prep school, just being the all time leader in PIMs. Oh, man. Uh, I, I, I think just having your name up there, being like, "Oh, you remember that guy? Eight hundred penalty minutes career? What a legend! Uh, that's a record that just doesn't die easily. I mean, someday it gets beat, but uh, for that moment, like you are the toughest guy." Even if it just means you're a fucking idiot and took a lot of stupid penalties, like, people always look back and be like, that guy was a nail gun. I can just tell.
2: Yeah, quick shout out to Adam Schneider of Queensberry Hockey. If you talk to anybody who's ever played Queensberry Hockey, they'll tell you that Adam Schneider is like the craziest kid you'll ever meet in your life. And then you meet him and you're like, yeah, well, that's true. All-time pin leader <laughs> for Queensbury Spartans. It
3: is. A, I mean, that's a badge of honor, I mean. That's like a fun fact. Like you get a new job, make you do an icebreaker. Just drop that all-time PIM leader. Not a big deal. Like that. A, that to me is like one of the coolest things you could have.
2: No, I I like that a lot. Um, my second accomplishment is I would love to run the, the run the power play as a forward. Because if if you're if you're the guy up top as a forward or like taking one timers and shit. You got skill, dude. And it's always kinda cool if you score one timers. I've i never really have ever scored a one timer before, but I can only imagine like how, how big I would think my dick was if I ever scored on a one timer. So running like the power play on the point in the umbrella or being like the guy in the one timer slot, I think that'd be pretty
3: sick, dude. Yeah, I think I think that would be pretty cool too. Um, I, I think I think that's a lot of responsibility, though. That makes me a little bit nervous. I feel like when the power play is going well, you're like the man. But like when the power play is faltering and you're the guy who's kind of being the quarterback, that is tough. That's a lot of heat that gets put on your shoulders. and so It's usually not even all your fault. Uh, I'll go my second star. Uh, it would be similar. I want to be the all-time leading scorer for an AHL team. So. You know, Do you really like you're, you're a guy out there. You've been in the AHL for like 13 years. Maybe you got one or two call-ups. Maybe like three career points in like 80 games in the NHL. You could have gone to Europe. You could have gone to the KHL. You could have retired. You could have gotten a job as like a financial representative or some bullshit. But no, you decided you are going to ride the bus in the AHL for 15 years, rack up points, be a leader, hang out with 20-year-olds. Uh, I just love those guys, man. I, I think – Jim Montgomery, I love him because he played at UMaine, won a national championship, and now you might go back-to-back. Is Denver still in the NCAA hockey tournament?
2: I do not know.
3: They should be. I mean, they were the favorites going in. Uh, Just, I mean, he's he's probably going to get an NHL deal, but I mean, that dude played in the AHL until he was like 38 years old, and he led like the Phantoms forever, so I, I just think like there's something to be said about a guy who just mucks it up in the AHL for as long as possible.
2: I appreciate that. I think, like, I mean, it would be cool to make the NHL right and kind of live that life, but at the same time, the guys that live, like, that AHL all-star life, I feel like those guys are the biggest legends in, like, their hometown. Like, those guys still participate in, like, beer leagues or, like, pond hockey tournaments and shit like that, and they're always, like, the guy who's probably at the bar because, like, his wife's bothering him, so, you know, he's he's hanging out with the boys. Um, I think they're more of an approachable guy.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, they're just, and you can tell they're just somebody who absolutely loves hockey.
2: No, I think that'd be sick. And then my last accomplishment that I would like—I know that winning a Stanley Cup uh, wasn't one, but like, it's not exactly winning a Stanley Cup. I would like; it would be really cool to be like on a shit fucking team and then get traded at the deadline and then win a cup. Like how your mind has always been like, oh fuck, like I'm never gonna fucking win, and then all of a sudden you're traded to like a fucking absolute hammer of a squad. Probably something that, like, McDonough and Miller are feeling right now, like, they were on the Rangers, they sucked, and now, like, they got traded to, like, a fucking great team, and if they win the Cup, I can't imagine, like, just so much emotion, so, that would be my uh, first star.
4: Yeah, I I would go, uh,
3: my first star, and that's a great one, I, I think my first star would be being a successful player on your hometown team. Oh, yeah. Uh, I- you grow up playing for your fa- rooting for your favorite team, then you get to play for them. That's probably the coolest thing in the world. The flip side is it almost never works out. Like, those players always have so much pressure, fans always hate them, people always want tickets, everyone always talks about how tough it is. But if you're one of those few players that can actually gut it out and become like a hometown hero, that has to be the coolest thing in the world. I can't even think of too many guys who do it. Like, people, guys from Ontario always get nervous playing for the Leafs. They think it's going to be a shit show. You saw like VZ and Hayes didn't want to play for the Bruins. Uh, from Bruins perspective, I look like Matt Grizzlick right now. He grew up in Charlestown. He went to BU. His dad works on the rink. Worked for the Bruins his whole life, and now he's playing for them. Like Dude, that's, that's unreal. Sick. If, that kid, if that kid can pull out like a ten year career, like that is unbelievable because no one hates him right now. So I, I just think <laughs> like if I was like Austin Matthews, like can you imagine how cool it would be? Obviously, playing for the Leafs is unbelievable. But if Austin Matthews was able to make the Arizona Coyotes relevant, like. He would be the coolest person in the world in Arizona, and that would bring so much attention to the team. So my first start would be being a successful player for my hometown team. I
2: think being from Minnesota and, like, making the Wild win a cup would be really cool. My question well, for – Is not,
3: like, a super successful player from Minnesota that's played for the Wild? Dude,
2: I can't really think of – is Preezy from Minnesota? He's got to be.
3: Yeah, yeah, but, like
2: – Sutter, or – is it Sutter? I think it's Sutter.
3: Yeah, but, like, I don't – I don't know, man. I don't see those guys being, like – I don't know. Like you don't really look at them, and be like, wow, they're playing for the hometown team. Like that's unbelievable. Dude, you're right, dude. If you were a Minnesota kid, you played for like the Gophers, you won like the high school state championship, and then you won a cup for the Wild. Like you would be a legend.
2: My question for you is: You're talking about this hometown player. Would you rather be uh, an absolute legend for UMaine Maine, or would you rather be an absolute legend at the Glens Falls Civic
3: Center? Oh, Really quick, Neil Broughton was an unbelievable Minnesota player that played for Minnesota. Uh,
2: Gotta pick one.
3: Uh, I think playing, if it was still the AHL, I would probably pick playing in the Civic Center. Like, how cool would it be to be like 25 years old and you're playing? You might not have a chance at the NHL. Maybe you're like a fourth line grinder on the local AHL team. You fight and stuff. But if you're like a fan favorite and like it's like a small community in the AHL, I don't think anything would be cooler than
2: that. Right, and I mean, some people would argue, oh yeah, but you're not getting paid enough money. Like you're in a shit city. What? Blah 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 blah. Being the absolute man in Glens Falls, New York, not not the not the most roughest of looks. Like that'd be kind of sick. Hitting the <laughs> in the bullpen after dude going down to Saratoga, hitting Caroline Street. Everybody knows who you are and shit like that. That'd be sick.
3: Dude, people act like being in the AHL is rough. Like, obviously, it's nowhere near the NHL. And, like, you're taking the bus and stuff. Those guys still live on, like, yeah. nice houses on the lake and have sick cars. and like. Yeah,
2: I'm still switching know. my lives with them 100% of the time.
3: And, like, I know, like, Craig Darby's from our area. He played in the NHL, but he played in the AHL. Like, guy's just, like, a beer league legend in the area now. He, like, coaches youth hockey. Like, I think I think that is the move for sure because everyone knows your name.
2: Yeah, dude, you, you essentially just want to be uh, John Beebe from Mystery Alaska.
3: Right, and, like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know there's no AHL team. This isn't, like, the perfect comparison, but, like, for some reason, whatever sticks in my head is uh fucking Eric Cole. Where is he from, Potsdam? He's
2: from Oswego. Uh, fun fact, oh. his, his brother's on my beer league team.
3: Dude, Eric Cole, like, when you go to the Oswego, like, youth hockey rink, there's, like, this, like, mural montage, like, tribute to him. It's, like, so legendary, it blows my fucking mind. Also, I look at, like, like Messina hockey, like, up north New York. Like, they had, like, Bogosian and all those guys. Like, if you're able to be a legend from one of those towns, like... You, Dude, that's
2: Rick, Richter and, like, Plattsburgh.
3: Yeah, yeah, people forget.
2: Yeah, man, I, I played junior college, where you would have to play north country. That you show up to the rink, and it's nothing but Mike Richter shit.
3: Or, like, can you imagine, too, being, like, uh an NHL player who's from, like, a town of, like, 500 people in Saskatchewan going home for the summer. Yeah. Like, holy shit, how many beers get bought for you? <laughs>
2: yeah, right, man. I think, like, the closest one, I mean, I would never, ever want Brian Leach on any team other than the Rangers, but, like, could you imagine if Brian Leach, like, was a Bruin for, like, his prime? Like, something like that. That would be fucking sick.
3: Yeah, I don't like Brian Leach, though, so. How
2: do you not like Brian Leach? That makes no sense. He's probably top three USA defenseman all time.
3: Yeah, but, like, who are the best USA defensemen of all time? Like, Phil Housley? Chris Kelly I, I, Here's my issue, dude. I just hated 90s American defensemen because they're always so fucking soft.
2: Brian like, Leach and, was like, awesome, dude.
3: Right. Like, they were sick offensively, and they are good defensively. But then you looked at, like, Stevens and all those guys just throwing elbows, and then, like, the Americans were always making sick first passes. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I just, like, I had an issue with 90s American defensemen,
2: Fair enough. All right, well, that was this week's podcast. Again, it was a little bit long. Appreciate Chief coming on. Hal, glad to have you back, buddy. Uh, Any other words for our listeners?
3: Patrice Bergeron's in the lineup tonight, so uh, Bruins are back.
2: Bruins are back. And, hey, guys, leave us some reviews on the iTunes or whatever fucking thing you're listening to us on. Or give us a shout on Twitter or Facebook, anything. We just want to know that you're fucking listening, so please let us know. Um, All right, we'll see you next week. (laughs) Gotta help me
0: out It's all a blur